Hey, Sonia. Hi, Lee. Good to see you again. <laughs> it's good to see you. And uh, look, I, I thought we were just, in, for those starting to listen to this, we were just in a conversation about some work that we've been doing on this topic of conflict resolution came up and I said to Sonia, hey, why don't we hit record and just talk about it live as we're trying to wrestle with this idea. And she's she's taken me up on it. So thanks, Sonia. You're welcome. If there's any opportunity to learn or even just voiced by random thoughts, who knows, something will make sense <laughs> at the end of it. So just to introduce you, you Sonia, we've been working together for a few years now in, uh, in a few, with a few different clients, uh, doing leadership teamwork, doing coaching work to follow development programs. You're based in Kampala in Uganda, so you're uh, mostly involved in our African clients in East Africa, but also uh, you've been to the Middle East and, and so on, run some sessions with us there. So um, with the client work that you're doing, what you said just before I hit record was this con this challenge with conflict resolution, people having uh, conflict within teams is coming off often and you wanted to throw around some thoughts about what do we do about that, right? As uh, leadership <laughs> development and coach professionals and coaches. Do you want to give me a bit of context? Obviously, without mentioning names or organizations or anything like that, where's the question come from? What do you mean? Come, the, the, thank you so much, Lee. It's it's good to be here, uh, kind of like a caught off guard. But, you know, you taught me that uh, we should always be ready. What is it they said in the Girl Guides when I was a little kid as a teenager? Girl Guides and Boy Scouts. Always be ready, ever ready. Is it carry your rope with you. You never know when you're going to use it. So I think that's the philosophy. I'm going to take whatever I have a conversation with you, for those of you who are listening. He's done this before. Um, he gave me a heads up notice, but we never know what we're going to talk about. Exciting stuff. Conflict resolution. I think when everybody hears that word, there's an internal body reaction, even though we don't realize that we have it. E even me, if I'm uh, somebody calls and says, Sonia, we need to talk. The famous words that every man fears or dreads from his spouse or partner. Uh, I don't know why I think it comes up a lot more in senior leadership teams. That's where I'm experiencing it a lot yeah. more. And it's amongst uh, peers. And a lot of it seems to be when you dig deep without maybe getting the full context, there's always unresolved issues or unresolved sentiments or unresolved emotion or misunderstanding or uh feeling unheard or unseen and so people just keep the emotion in and it's a, almost a taboo to talk about it and because it's a taboo to talk about it it stays that way until it gets to a point where now the other person is the problem and then they label it conflict resolution and then they want to seek external help because they themselves i think 80 percent of the time are afraid to actually walk up to the person and say hey I was in the meeting and I noticed you're not listening to anything I say, or every time I try to give uh, an opinion, you shut me down. That the courage to be able to express our emotion and feeling, I feel seems to be the one of the causes. And of course there's culture. Oh, culture is my favorite word at the moment. In different cultures, like in Uganda, uh, when something happens, you, you don't talk about it. You keep quiet and then you go talk about it over tea and coffee with all your other friends in the canteen, then this person who's the subject is walking by and everyone is looking at you strange. 
people formed opinions of you. And the, the tendency is that the conflict started with person A. By the end of two years, the conflict is with 20 other people in the whole organization. And then you find people just deciding to resign or work is not getting done. And then when we come to work, like we do lead and we bring up our famous cultural leadership assessment, all the sentiments are poured into that report. Yeah. And, and people who are there six months are thinking, I don't feel it. I don't see it because it's kind of a quiet syndicate of the five people. These five people don't work together. But the new ones, you come, we'll pretend to work with you. And unfortunately, they, the five people use the newcomers as allies and they start to get them on their side. And, and you see how slowly this becomes a whole mess. And then they come to us and they say, so we have a conflict. Could you help us? And, and I love what you gave me some input a couple of months ago. You said you might not have context and you may get in there. And you who's come to resolve the conflict becomes the subject and the problem. So those are my random thoughts. There are many others. I don't know if there's anything that that stands out from what I've just said based on your culture and what you've experienced as well. Uh, you raised an interesting point. I think with the work that we do uh, together, these issues often come up. And first thing to say, I think it's critical that these issues are surfaced. And, and just as you said, some of the tools that you've used really help in creating the opportunity for a bit of a clearing. Um, and often people feel afraid of that clearing because it's really, it's really hard to predict where it's gonna go and so on. But I think there are some, there are some fundamental principles that can help um that that we will help you know share with teams and so on so i guess the first one that comes to our mind is investing in building trust right and yeah. and and there are many ways to do that i think um one of the ways one of the things that's really important is to really get clear on what's our shared purpose here you know what's my shared purpose for this relationship with this person or this team um what is it i really want to achieve here and why is it important you know if i take it to the most important relationships in life your partner your, your kids you know these are the areas where like the kind of emotions you're talking about and the emotional entanglement you're talking about the reactive behavior and avoidance or or real oppositional conflict i think often can be really amplified right the volume goes up on them because there's probably a lot more at stake than there is if i'm just talking about my job mm -hmm. um so you know tapping into let, let's put this episode aside for a second that he said she said whatever happened last year if i just put yeah. that aside for a second then i can think about future focus where do i want to get to here with this person Powerful. you know where would i if if it were possible to have a better relationship what would i want that to look like 
Um, that's not easy to get to when you're in the emotional entanglement. So that it requires a bit of emotional regulation, a lot of the work that you, you and I do around challenging assumptions, all of these things, and then ultimately elevating my my perspective to what do I want the future of this relationship to look like? And mm-hmm. therefore, how do I need to show up in order to give that the best chance, right? There's no guarantees, no guarantees. But how do I show up to give that the best chance? And that, I think, means taking ownership of your contribution to the problem. You know, yes. seeking seeking forgiveness, being open to the possibility that I'm wrong in my assumption about why you did what you did and what you meant by it and all of these things. Um, Being open to meet the other person's needs, whatever they may be, you know, can I or can I not respond to them in the way that they need me to? These kinds of things become really important, I think. And the, the trust thing is, I don't think you can have uh what, what am I what am I trying to say? The ability to step into these kinds of conversations well builds trust. The fear is it's gonna break the relationship, but in my experience, more often than not, if you handle it well, it actually it enhances the relationship to agree way beyond what it was before. Is that your your experience? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I love what you're saying. And and in there, I'd like to segue into something. Um, again, my favorite word, culture. How does culture play a role in the steps that you've mentioned? One, building trust. Two, trying to take yourself away from this current situation and say, okay, what would success look like with this person? Um, and, and number three, what happens in situations where the ego is just so loud there is no hope. And, and a person is like, I'd rather this relationship dies than I, I, I have to say, I'm sorry. What happens in those situations? Because the listeners may be thinking, okay, uh, Lee and Sonia, you're, you're in a Disney world. I mean, you like using that word to me. We're not in a Disney world. So, so what do we offer the people who feel that, okay, that's next to impossible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change this reference to Disney and fairy tales because on reflection, Disney and fairy tales can actually become quite dark, right? There's a, there's often a dark side to it. Um, so I'm, I probably need a better metaphor, but I, I, people get my point on that. It isn't all sunshine and rainbows, and some of the things that we talk about, we sound great in theory, but then in practice. So I, to, I might throw the question back at you. Sonia, in in true style, and ask you, what examples have you got that maybe where you've seen um, this conflict handled well? Mm -hmm. You know, have you got any thoughts about that? I do, I do. I'm, I'm, I've got situations where the first part that has been applied is let's first forget where we want to get to. We, we know that at the end of the day, we want the two people to look forward. But I think without necessarily sounding like a psychologist or a therapist, but, but it is what sometimes we have to tap into with the work that we do, especially people like you who are uh, have managed to navigate neuroscience. I really find that fascinating, but I'll 
talk about that another day. Maybe we'll have a podcast about the brain. You're a logical, mathematical person. How does that come with emotions and fit together? So back to where I was saying is I found that when we allow the people to feel seen and heard, because a lot of conflict, I feel, is just unresolved hurt. It's I got hurt. And you didn't see me. You didn't understand where I was coming from. It's it's like I like to say the little child in me crying to be seen, crying to 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 not be in the reactive. And though that's where I usually go, but I've realized as an adult, being in the reactive state is not helping me. So it causes a lot of discomfort. So what I offer is just sitting down with that person and first saying, "I see you. I hear you." I may not completely get it, but people just want to feel, do you understand my point of view? It's like two little kids saying, no, but mommy, do you know what he did? No, but daddy, do you know what he did? And as soon as you allow them to say, okay, baby, I understand what you did was not good. But also you, what you did was not good. Usually I have noticed that the opportunity for a good outcome is better. And even if they agree to disagree, it's not as violent or people standing up and barging out of the room as as some people would think. A classic example, there's a, a, a person we're working with. And um, when I reference, you might understand where this happened. Very emotional, highly, highly, highly intellectual, highly uh, logical, thinks from the head. And everyone else who's coming with feelings is just feeling like he says no to everything. And then when we got onto the mat, and we had explained emotional regulation, uh, behavior, and we had actually called out certain examples to help people understand and relate. When he chose to go to a place of systems awareness, everyone was shocked. They thought he would go to, oh, I'm gonna be more relating. I'm gonna be more decisive. And and I, I sat and I knew where he was going or why he went there, but I asked, so why do you think he's there? And then they said, can we ask him? I said, exactly, ask him why. And when he explained, one of the people is having a conflict with said, ah, is that why every time I come to you with a request because I want a beautiful office, you say no? He says, yes, because if we keep saying yes to everything, we're not going to have jobs in two years time. And that was like, I see. So he's just being protective because that's the easiest place for him to go to. So a sense of allowing people to understand each other, but also my favorite that I learned from you is lead with a lot of curiosity, ask questions. So situations where people have said, okay, please help me understand why did you react the way you did? And if the person starts to, because you reacted the way you did, then you wait and allow them to keep quiet, vent, let that emotion come out, it's like a pressure cooker, and then let the other person ask the question. And, and situations where I think it's more of you not telling them and bottling up and shutting down their feeling, but allowing the feelings to come up through questioning. And, yeah. and obviously it has to be carefully, the person navigating this has to really have a lot of emotional intelligence, patience and foresight. And, and that, je ne sais quoi, that I don't know, there's that just something that I can't put my finger to it, where you're able to sense where this person is going or where they want to go, or where it might go that you have to pause. So if a person is going to get involved in conflict resolution, their emotional intelligence has got to be on super high and they have to come with a lot of empathy. Yeah, so and let's 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 talk a little bit about the the some of the things that enable that. I, I love what you're saying about this idea of 
pausing for a second, engaging with a bit of curiosity and demonstrating that you actually at least see the other person's perspective. Now, I think one of the challenging things for people about that is that I think there's an assumption that if I if I acknowledge that I can see your perspective, that's the same as agreeing with it. It's not the same as agreeing with it, right? And and I think we we miss that step because it feels like we're going to lose ground in some way. If I if I say, "Oh, Sonia, I can see how you would have made that assumption about my actions," or I can see how that has upset you, even if I still think that I did the right thing, okay, yeah. I might think that I'm not responsible for you being upset about this, right? But if I just if I miss that step and I just keep saying, well, you shouldn't be upset about this because I was just doing my job or uh, whatever that is, without first saying, I can understand. Let me see the world from where you're sitting, from where you're sitting. This puts a lot of pressure on you from where you're sitting. You feel like I've undermined you in some way with this decision from where you're sitting. It looks like I've got a quite a narrow perspective on this situation. Okay. Well, given all of that, I can understand why you'd be upset. Yeah. Let me explain to you uh, what my perspective is. That has a very different feel and a very different tone than what you usually get, which is someone's upset. Oh, but you shouldn't be upset because I was just doing this, that, or the other. I'm just going to give you my perspective. No, but here's mine. No, but here's mine. No, but here's mine. But no, but here's mine. Right. So the moment somebody says, okay, I'm going to stop, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to breathe, I'm going to get really curious about what this person, how this person sees this situation, and I'm going to demonstrate that I've understood that, or at least get clear about that, accepting that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to ultimately agree to change or do anything differently or I might not agree with the perspective, but I at least have to demonstrate that I've heard it and seen it. That that goes, I think that goes a long way. Um, yeah. The other thing that I that I was thinking about there, and I, I was talking about this just a couple of days ago with a, a, um, a CEO and his team. This idea that there are two domains that that are, you know, the domain of facts the things that actually happened and then there's domain of the the story that i have about the things that happen so sonia emails my direct report uh about something that's the fact the story that i might tell myself is sonia's trying to undermine my authority She's trying to bypass my priorities. She's trying to steal my resources, all of these things, right? And I think it's really important in this idea of conflict resolution to separate the two. There's a, let's stick to the facts and remove the judgmental assumptions about why somebody did what they did and get curious about that instead. So, Sonia, you emailed my team member yesterday asking for this thing. Um, I have to be honest with you, I felt a little bit put out by that. I felt a little bit undermined by that. And I really want to understand 
what where you're what, where you were coming from what was your intention there now i, I want to zoom in on the way i phrase that then because i think it's really important i didn't say you undermined me i said okay. this thing happened and i felt this way and i'm happy to be wrong about feeling that way right i'm happy that to, to have made an incorrect assumption Okay, but mm -hmm. I, so I'm I'm owning my own emotional response there. I'm not blaming you for it. Because if I say to you, you undermined me, you're you you know you're going to go. No, I didn't. I just needed this fat, this done quickly. I didn't undermine you, and and then we're into that downward spiral, right? Yeah, it's, it's powerful the word you used. That I think it would be good for us to offer clarity for those listening in any situation talk to your children your spouse your friend anybody as soon as we use the i don't know what the right word is but the attack word of you it's like a pointing fingers the immediate reaction of many people is going to be to, to be defensive but when we focus on us and say the fact is you sent an email which is good not a, attacking and as a result this is how i felt now that part of treating teaching people to say it's okay to say how you felt sort of sign of weakness is what i think is one of the keys to helping navigate the temperature of the conversation because if the temperature is high the fuel is yes but you did and you made me and you because the person like i didn't make you feel like that that's your own problem so it just keeps going down in spiral web like you've said so very key point the the language around when we express how we feel about somebody else's actions so i just want to recap a little bit so we've talked a little bit about mindset of curiosity about future focus letting go of what's happened before engaging in the possibility that this could be better um in service of what we're trying to achieve as a team as a business as a family as a relationship whatever that context is um we've talked about the emotional regulation which i think comes from one pausing you know taking a breath when i get reactive removing my assumptions discerning between what are the facts and what are the assumptions and trying to separate those two and then having the courage to step into a conversation about the facts and test the assumptions with a bigger picture in mind i think that's that's kind of you know if we're coaching people through conflict resolution that's that's where I would be, but unless I like these to be a bit more challenging. So what if you and I have some kind of uh, disagreement, conflict, um, and I try to address it with you and you don't change, like you don't respond well, you remain in blame, you remain in accusation. Uh, where do I go from there? Well, I'm going to use my spiritual background. <laughs> okay, please do. Um, the Bible, and I'm sure it's somewhere in the Quran and in the good book, even in, in the teachings of Buddha. When somebody does something to you, the first person you have to speak to is that person. You don't go and start talking to everybody else about the situation. And if you've spoken with them and you've gone through what we've just offered here and it still doesn't work, then you call another person in. As a witness, most probably your superior or even their superior or a friend or a coach or whoever it is that is in that circle. 
And there is a third step. If that still doesn't work, you take it to the bigger organization, which is most probably HR or the, 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 the committee or whoever it is, but there's now a whole like in the village, the village elders now come to talk to you in, in African context. And if that still fails, then maybe you will either probably lose your job or if it's a relationship, it might end. Or if it is just friends, you can agree that, you know what, we agree to disagree. Let's just make sure that we don't cross paths or we will just be civil to each other. But the person has to have closure that really wants the conflict to be resolved. And we're not saying that every conflict is going to be resolved. It is an attempt to resolve it. And there's some conflicts that to this day, when I think about it, it hurts a little because we tried to talk about it, but maybe the person was not at that stage or maybe I wasn't even at that stage emotionally. And there's been a temptation to want to call the, them up and say, hi, how are you? And if they respond and say, I'm good for me, that's enough. It's it's not fair sometimes, but it's for me to appease my 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 conscience that I did my part. I think my offer is for those of you who are like me, I have to look at the person and know I did my part. I, I'm not responsible for how you're going to respond, but let me yeah uh, pick up on that for a second. But I do want to go back as well before I forget. You mentioned your spirit being informed by your spiritual belief system, and I'd love to delve into that a little bit more. Um, but before I go there, one of the things I don't want to lose is uh, I often say to people is if you're in a conflict with someone or if you're in relationship with someone and you were to allocate a percentage uh, of responsibility for the success of that relationship between two people, what would you say the responsibility is? And most people would say 50-50. I'm 50-50 responsible for the sex success of our relationship, right? And uh, and then the the thought experiment there is to say, well, what if it was a hundred a hundred? Yes. Which builds on what your point is there, right? What if I chose to take full responsibility for my part in trying to contribute to the success of this relationship? How might that shape? Because I think what happens when I've got the 50-50 mindset, I'll say, well, here's a little here's a little breadcrumb, Sonia. Do, are you going to take that? And and if you don't if you don't respond appropriately within your fifty percent, I'm going to throw my hands in the air. I'm going to go. Oh, I tried nothing. Yeah. Right. But if I've got the hundred percent mindset, if I've got, I'm going to take full responsibility for my side of this. Then I'm going to come up with a whole different range of possibilities and and, and a different level of ownership of my mistakes uh a different level of willingness to forgive a different level completely of um stepping into that conversation courageously with because i'm not kind of holding back now one caveat on that comment is that i'm not advocating that people would leave themselves open to abuse in these situations that's not what this is about right um it's just about walking away as you said with the knowledge that i did everything i could there and i'm good with myself even though it didn't work true very true that's that's what we would offer there's something you said there that i also want to pick up on uh 
and I'm going to say this because it's a real issue in today's world, mental health. There are people that you will be dealing with and they're not even aware of it and they need more help other than what you are offering, even other than what a second person will offer, even other than what an organization will offer. And, and I think all I am really uh, asking us as human beings is raise our level of consciousness. If we all as a universe decide that I'm going to do one small thing to raise my level of consciousness, whether it's I'll listen to a podcast about emotional regulation, I'll listen to a podcast about this, I will read books, I will ask more questions. If we can do that, we will, we will, we will not leave too many, like I like saying, dead bodies along the way. Because I might be trying to resolve something with you, but I'm completely unaware of the context that you're coming with. You probably had emotional abuse as a child. And so if anybody uses a certain word, it triggers you in such a bad way that even if I do my 125,000%, it's not going to work because you need inner healing. So that is another caveat on everything that we're, we're saying. It's not textbook. It is not a cookie cutter. Let's try it, doesn't work. And then we say, ah, maybe this is what Lee was saying, or maybe this is what Sonia was saying, or whoever else is out there. I want to pick up on that point as well around the, the um, not knowing what's behind some of the reactions that we get from others. And the, the power of a curious mindset, I think people sometimes mistake having curiosity for trying to find the answers so mm-hmm. when when we're talking about being curious in these situations about the other person's perspective and their emotional state and so on we're not trying to be psychologists and dig into their past and try and make an assessment a psychiatric assessment of where this is coming that's not what it's about it's about presence to the human being in front of me and a willingness to be open and receptive to what they're bringing. That's what it's about. It's not about solving in some analytical process, you know, describing why this dynamics occurring. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be there, prepared to be nowhere else with an open heart and open mind to understand what's happening within this relationship, in this context that we're having this conflict, conflict in. Um, I, I think that that's the kind of curiosity we're talking about here, not a problem-solving type curiosity. It's true. I have one for you. I, I can see we might be coming to the close of this, but it's it's it's. I could talk about this for hours. Now that I realize you've opened this door, and there's so many other thoughts going through my mind. So, for those of them listening, what if the person you need to resolve a conflict with is avoiding you? doesn't want to talk to you, gets excuses, doesn't pick up your calls, is always busy, then what? And, and so, this I genuinely... Question, have I done everything I can to create a space with that person? Um, okay. Can I explore different possibilities? Can I lead with something that makes them feel a little at ease? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and practically speaking... Often that might be a simple admission that, look, I recognize that this, I I may have done something or said something here that's created friction in this relationship. And I'd love to talk about that. Nice, nice, wonderful. 
right? I'm going to use that after this call because I, I have someone avoiding me. <laughs> and I don't think it's anything I did, but I'm going to use that. Thank you. Okay. Ah, so you don't think it was anything you did. So that's going to be difficult because you can't. we can't lie, right? We, we have to be authentic. I've said, I've said that. I've said that to see what you were going to say. <laughs> so come on, Sonia. Is it true that you didn't do anything at all? Is it possible? I think, a, I, think a I, contribution. Done, I think I might have done something in the way I built my boundaries with this person a couple of okay. months ago. I heard okay. them. Now yeah. I realize. Now, and this only just came up because we're talking about conflict. I thought it was with work, but it also applies to me, you know? it's So for those of you listening, this is a real matter. Even we ourselves, Lee and I, we have situations where women would think it is possibility of raising conflict, but conflict doesn't have to be the loud shouting in your face. It could just be the subtle thoughts in your mind, the subtle discomfort when you think of somebody. That already is conflict because it's, it's yeah. going against you feeling good within yourself. So don't be deceived about this word. It's not, a, it's not supposed to be in the huge magnitude of the size. It could just be in the subtle, subtle little, I can't be myself around this person. That's already conflict. So that's what we can talk about. Ah, thought that you've provoked in me there when talking about it's not just external verbal disagreements and so on, but that internal conflict resolution. I think it's quite an interesting idea to think about. Mm wouldn't it i mean it's it internal conflict often leads to external conflict right so if you think about how do i resolve conflict well let's create clarity and alignment within myself first yes right yes and let's then try and create clarity and alignment in the relationship and i think without going into any details because it's very personal this thing where you've created a boundary, if if anyone decides from clarity and alignment within yourself, I imagine, I'm guessing that's where that came from, a decision I need to create a boundary here. I think the other thing to recognize is um, just because, some, because somebody gets upset or, or is challenged by that doesn't mean you have to change anything about that, right? That, that, that may well still be the, the right thing to do. But maybe I said it in a in a clumsier way than I'd hoped for, or maybe it was not clear, or maybe I still, I, and I think to go back to where we, we start, how do you step into that, a conversation like that? It's, look, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. I'm observing that it's clearly created a shift in the relationship. It, I feel like maybe this has upset you and... And I don't want that to continue in our relationship. I'd like to resolve that if we can, if we can. Okay. And then oh, we're into a different, a different type of conversation. And you know what? You're bang on because it was an internal decision based on years of accepting, uh, not abuse, but accepting behavior where I felt taken for granted because I'm very sensitive about that. The, the being taken for granted is one of my triggers. And so I said, I'm going to build a healthy boundary. So I kept warning, kept warning, kept warning. And I think the person didn't think that I was actually going to ever get to a point where I did put the boundary very clearly. And maybe the way I said it was out of frustration looking back. And I'm going to do exactly what you've said. I am going to go back and say maybe the way I said it doesn't mean I'm going to change it. It's not going to change. But yeah. I will uh, 
some empathy because it, it's it's also they don't feel good about it. They, they they I probably hurt them. I think I did because maybe in their mind this comfort was always going to be available, this place, and they didn't realize there was going to come a time when they have to pay rent, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded, I, I may have mentioned this in a previous conversation between you and I, or even a previous recording, a real example of when this has happened in a coaching relationship that I had with a senior leader who was um, in a quite a, a personal kind of friendship with uh, someone in their team who was experiencing some mental health challenges and so on. And they were a real shoulder to lean on for many years. But then their direct report was in a promotions process and he was in a, basically conflicted because he's having a, he's one of the decision makers in this promotion process. And he, he needed to change the nature of that relationship. And he was really scared to do it because he'd been the shoulder to cry on for quite a long time. And, um, we, you know, we worked through that with some of the things we've talked about on this call and he set that boundary and in a really sophisticated and eloquent way with care, compassion, curiosity, all of that stuff. And it actually, um, the fear was, this is gonna destroy this relationship. And the opposite happened, right? It had a dramatic impact on enhancing the level of trust they had in the relationship. Both of them had a weight lifted off. Nice. It, it created that separation from a professional and personal perspective that was needed to remove the conflict. A lot of great stuff happened there. So I think, why do I share that example? Um, again, the fear that holds us back from stepping into these conflict resolution type conversations is often, mm -hmm. I'm going to damage this relationship. But I think more often than not, it's a flawed fear. You will damage the relationship if you step in with a lack of curiosity, no empathy and high levels of judgment. Yeah, yeah, you'll damage the relationship if you do that. But if you step in with humility, openness, curiosity, with a clear and firm alignment around what it is you need from this situation, my experience of working with people on this stuff is often, and my personal experience is often the relationship actually gets a lot better after conversations like that than we than we imagined it would. Powerful. We started on, I'm asking about conflict resolution because I come across it in work and the conversation has taken us and me to a realization. Most of the things I said, I actually didn't have a textbook on them. It's talking about it that's helped me realize that yes, there is internal misalignment that causes conflict within that then is projected to the outside world. And this classic example of, it's a right thing to build a boundary, but how I build it will create conflict, maybe on the other side, but it becomes my conflict because I care about this relationship and I care about the person. So thanks for offering those nuggets. Um, as you can see, listeners, it's, uh, I think for me, the underlying foundation for conflict is for it to begin to have a healthier chance of getting better, or just coming to some resolution, even if you don't agree, is the attitude and the mindset that we go with. I think it's a lot of humility. Go in knowing that I could be wrong. Number two, I'm not perfect. Number three, the other person has an opinion and has their feelings, which I cannot just 
bottled up. And I have a contribution to this. Even if I was building a boundary, that's my contribution. It, it was, <clears throat> I was doing it for the right re reasons for myself and for the relationship, but that was my part in this. And, and how the other person felt is what it is. I can't control it, but I can help carry, uh, so to speak, the emotions that come out of a result of us trying to do this work. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Carry the emotions. And it, that's what you said at the beginning, right? People want to be seen and understood. And I think that's that's what you're saying here again is, can I can I accept that this conversation might create an emotional experience? And can I just be with that without having to change it too quickly and just see it, you know, just, just be with it and be curious about it. And then with a little bit of that space, then move it forward. Okay. So where do we go from here? You know, I really need this boundary in place can you accept that what do you need from me well i really need this boundary in place or i need this kind of situation okay can we agree on that and then move forwards i think that's that that happens because of the space that's created as you said to carry and hold and and demonstrate we're seeing the emotions and the different needs in the in the yeah. relationship once we've seen those once again, just to summarize to where we kind of early on, we don't need to agree with them. But we do need to see them. And, and then we can kind of maybe move forward and negotiate a different pathway for the future. Thank you very much. Lisa. Oh, thank you. That was a great conversation on the fly, wasn't it? Enjoyed that. Oh, it was really, really good. I've learned a lot. <laughs> Me too. Just, just that's another tip. Talk about these things in a safe environment with a person that you know you're going to get help from. So thanks, And then Leah. put it out on Spotify. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Sonia. I'll, I'll pause the recording. Thanks a lot for going with that. We'll have a chat after I hit pause. Thank you. All right. Bye.